Um, Nick and Myra, come on up. And Nick and Myra are going to be heading overseas um, for, for the next two and a half, three weeks. And so just share with us what you're going to be doing, and uh, we want to pray for you this morning and send you out. Sounds good. Um, I actually met my wife on a mission trip to Costa Rica many years ago, and we've been on several trips since, but for the last three times, three years, we've joined a Canadian missionary from Canada, and she's established uh, a lot of small churches in the area in Costa Rica, and we also met up with a group of migrant workers from or migrant workers in a camp from Nicaragua. So we're going to also be going to Nicaragua this year. So um, we're kind of new to the church, and we really appreciate your prayers as uh, we embark on this next mission trip. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for Nick and Myra and them stepping out in faith and just going across the seas to, to minister. And Lord, right, right now I pray your blessing, peace, and your goodness would follow them, that they would be a light to the nations. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we pray just for an amazing time and amazing stories of the kingdom breaking in. So, Holy Spirit, come, fill them up, and uh, Lord, we just send them out with our blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So, um, we are in the middle of this series, actually, we, week two of this series. And we've been talking about this idea of a leap of faith and what that might look like in our lives. And so today is part two of that. And if in your communicator, in your bulletin, there's a little piece of paper that looks like this. And it says, leap of faith, recommended practices for 40 days leading up to Easter. If you don't mind, pull that out, hold that in your hand. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So this sermon series is meant as we're le these 40 days leading up to Easter, to, we want to encourage, inspire, and nudge you to take little leaps of faith during the season. And you know what? As we do that, I think it's so honoring to God and the kingdom of God as we take these little steps of faith, these little leaps of faith. So we have five practices to help you meet God at the edge of your comfort zone and experiment with prayer over these 40 days. So take this out. Let's look at it. And we have, so here's the five practices. And if you weren't here last week, you have like 32 days, okay? So, but here's what we're doing. We're doing, we're just saying we're all going to jump in together. It doesn't matter if you started last week or this week. We're all going to jump in together. And so here is taking the leap of faith over the next, these 40 days. The first one is the big personal ask. And here's what we're doing. We're saying, God, would you stir something up in my heart, one thing that you'd like me to pray for each and every day? And we're not going to get compulsive over it. We're just going to ask God to break into our situation once every day, leading all the way up to Easter. And so what's your big personal ask? One thing that you'd like to, God to do or transform your situation, or maybe it's for a family member, or whatever it is, what's one thing that's near and dear to your heart? And let's just ask God for that one thing every single day. And just write it on your piece of paper. Um, I did this earlier in the week, and it was, it, like, I had already started praying, but I hadn't committed it to paper yet. And all of a sudden, I started to commit it to paper, and it, like, helps me fully step in. Does that make sense? So commit to it. Like, say, God, here's my commitment. I'm writing this down. And just so you know, if you don't have one of these pieces of paper, maybe you didn't get one, um, Carol's going to give you one right now, okay? So just as she walks by, raise your hand, and uh, she'll get you one of those. Okay, uh, number two, give something up. So when we talk about giving something up, we're not talking about, like, not eating meat or something like that. We're simply saying, what if over these 40 days, what if we gave up something like our judgmentalism or our anger or something that we know that if we gave this up, it would just be super pleasing to God and maybe even those around us, okay? So that's giving something up. Three, identify and pray for your three. John, what is my three? It's three people that are not part of your church community. Three people 
that maybe you know, maybe you've even had great conversations, maybe you've even been to their home, but you just don't know where they are with God. And we're going to start praying for those three people every single day. So let this kind of, um, maybe they're even, maybe they're a coworker. Maybe they're some, maybe they're a literal neighbor to you. That's, those make great people to write down and start praying for them every single day. So those are your three. And then number four, which we'll talk about today, blow some money or time on one of your three. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And then five, experiment with a daily devotional. And so if you don't have a normal devotional, um, there's some in the back by the door there. There's a little piece of paper that looks like this. You can pick it up. And there's uh, reading, scripture readings in here. There's a morning prayer to kind of give you a, a sense, a guideline there. Um, and then there's an evening prayer that you can walk through called the Daily Examine. And then there's other options in here too. So it's a great, uh, it's a great space. If you, if you don't have your own system or structure, this is a great way to, to jump in, okay? So those are our five practices leading up to Easter. And some of us are adverse to like, doing group things, and that's okay if that's not you, so be it, but let me tell you, when you do things in concert with others, it's almost like we learn better, we grow more as you jump in, okay? So I want to encourage you to jump into these five, uh, maybe you got three out of the five, just start writing them, write those people's names in, write down your big ask uh, leading up to Easter. Okay, so today... Um, we're going to talk about crossing the moat. And so shortly after World War II, there's a guy named Harry. Um, he saw all the sad sights of, you know, the disastrous cities over in Europe. Uh, he saw the orphan children starving, just to, like eating scraps in the garbage. Uh, he saw the war-torn cities. Uh, but Harry was an American soldier, and he was driving back to the barracks in London when he passed by a donut shop. And he could smell the donuts because they were like fresh, piping hot. And as he's driving by, he slows down enough to see a little boy, probably six or seven, staring at the baker making the donuts. And so he pulls his truck over, he gets out, and he walks up, his, the, the soldier's name is Harry, and he said to this little boy, he said, son, would you like some of those? And the boy said, oh, yes. And like, like you can tell like the boy salivating and like has a little groan as he's watching the baker make these. And so he said, oh, I would, I would love a donut. So Harry went inside the store. The kids stayed outside. And Harry bought a dozen donuts. So the kid's standing there in the cold, foggy morning. And uh, Harry says, here you, here you go, young man. And he gave him a dozen donuts, this hungry kid. And as Harry walked away, he felt a little tug on his coat as he turned around. And this little kid, this quiet little boy said, hey, mister, are you God? I want you to know that we're never more like God than when we give, when we serve, and when we love the people around us, when we actually cross over the moat. And so we're going to talk about what that means in a minute. What if Jesus lived next door to us? What if Jesus lived next door? How would Jesus' presence impact our lives if he lived next door to us? Uh, how would that impact how we connect or don't connect with our neighbors? Now, this is an easy question to dismiss because if he did live next, to, next door to us, we would love our neighbors more, wouldn't we? We would extend ourselves a little bit more. We would serve a little more. We would love a little more. We would give a little more. But what if Jesus actually does live next door to us? So here's what I need you to do. Imagine that you live in a big castle with all of your friends and family, those that you love. So this is going to be my castle, this space right here. Um, Michael and Ben, can you come up and help me? I, these are my, come on up, just sit in the couch. 
hang out in my castle. This is my, literally, this is my domain. This is the place that, I didn't ask them ahead of time, so you can just relax, okay? <laughs> uh, this is the space that's, that's my castle, okay? And my castle, it's fun. And it's, it's my friends, people that love me, that pray for me, that I have a relationship with. <laughs> Look at that. It's a little too close, but. Okay. Um, but this is, this is that, that space that's, it's my safe space. It's my castle. And, and not only is this the space that I feel safe in, but guess what? Around my castle, there's a big moat. 20 feet deep, 15 feet wide to protect myself and my interests and, and all that I deem is safe and comfortable in my life, okay? And here's what we as Christians do. We have a tendency to cloister ourselves off, to hang out in our little space that's safe, and what if, my big idea today for you and me, is what if, we could say, you know what, this is that safe space, but what if we crossed the moat? What if we started stepping out into the world? What if we started ministering to the people that we work with? What if we started ministering to our neighbors? What if we were willing to get out of our comfort zone and partner with God's spirit in seeing all humanity Let's give uh, Michael and Ben a big hand. Thank you, guys. So that's my castle and the moat. And on the other side of the moat is like everybody else on the planet. And what we do is we tend to hunker down in our comfort zones. Our close family and friends, natural inhibitions keep us there, just like that moat does. But God is at work across the moat. And he calls us to join him in his ultimate love project to change the world. Launched from the cross and the empty tomb. So Jesus believed and believes that much of the fullness of life actually happens and is found when we cross over that moat. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 5, 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? I love this because this is um, Jesus. Matthew's quoting Jesus here. And Matthew used to be a tax collector, okay? And, um, and then the next part, Matthew says, quoting Jesus, are, are not even the tax collectors doing that? Poking a little fun, making a little fun of himself. And if you only greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Okay, sometimes we need to take Jesus literally. Sometimes we need to pause and take Jesus at his word. Uh, Jesus is unlocking a secret of the kingdom in this text here. And uh, he's offering life, even abundant life, and even a reward for stepping out beyond our comfort zone, for crossing the moat. These benefits of faith are found when we meet God at the edge of our comfort zone. So we're comfortable here, and it's safe, and it's so nice, and it's perfect. And yet, when we step over that comfort zone and we cross the moat, that's where God often wants to pour out his spirit. That's where we see the kingdom invading at a, 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 an advance, like there's this advancement of God's kingdom there that I wish that we could understand and get. You guys, I think it's time that we cross the moat. And I want to encourage you guys, so some, I have some big stories of people crossing the moat today. I also have some tiny stories. And I think the, some of the biggest ways we can cross the moat are just these tiny moments in our life. Um, one, I, my wife and I lived in Atlanta two years. And when we lived there, I moved in, and I was trying to get to know the neighbors on either side of me. And um, I was thinking, how do I get to know my neighbors? And I just had this idea, like, I'll just ask um, 
this lady to borrow her ladder. And I went to her door and knocked, and, hey, can I borrow a ladder because I'm trying to put some stuff up in my house? And uh, she said, sure. I, but the thing is, we talked for a couple minutes, and then we talked when I returned it. And what she didn't know was I had a ladder in my house right there. I had a ladder that was accessible. I could have used my own ladder, but I just wanted to step out of that comfort zone, and I wanted to, ask, I wanted to meet my neighbor. And so we started building a relationship with our neighbor based off of me just asking for a ladder, you know. I think she did come over later. She's like, don't you have a ladder? I'm like, <laughs> or do you ever get to that moment during Thanksgiving or Christmas or maybe during the hol some holiday moment where you're, you're cooking and you need one more egg or you need a stick of butter or you need a cup of flour? So you know what most Americans do? We go to the store. But what if, out of just building that relationship, what if we actually just went to our neighbor? What if we stepped beyond that comfort zone and just said, hey, do you, I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have done this. And it would be, like, it's almost, like, embarrassing at times, but, but we borrowed so much butter from one of our neighbors one time that we had to buy her, like, a full pack from Costco. Like, because we had to, like, we wanted to say thank you, you know? But we had borrowed that much butter. But there is joy when we cross over the moat. As God ropes us into loving the world, there is great joy for us. Now the inspiration for crossing the moat this morning is going to be found in Luke chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. And I want you to know that this needs to be our disposition to the world as we cross the moat. Now here Jesus is actually talking the context in which Jesus is unpacking this text in Luke 6 is the context is love for the outside or even your enemies, okay? And here's what Jesus said. He said that, here's verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So I just want to break down this verse as we are stepping beyond our comfort zone and we're crossing the moat. There's four things here that we have to remember. And so let's just start with do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. So there was this boy, he was entering a coffee shop, uh, and they served coffee and pastries and ice cream, and he sat at one of the tables, and this waitress named Priscilla comes to him and says, son, what would you like? And he's like, he takes out this, his, he reaches deep in his pocket, and he pulls out all these coins, quarters and dimes and so he's like sorting them out, and he asks Priscilla, Priscilla, how much is, how much is the, uh, the sundae, the ice cream sundae? And Priscilla says it costs $4.50, and he's counting his money. And after he counts his money, then he goes to Priscilla, how much is just a plain bowl of ice cream? And she says, it's three bucks, kid. And she's kind of annoyed at this point, because she knows she isn't going to get a tip. She knows that other people are waiting for his seat, and she's just, she's just done. She's toast. She, she doesn't want to help him anymore. And so finally the kid says, I'll, I'll just get a plain bowl of ice cream. And she's annoyed. She, she kind of walks away, and she huffs a little bit. So she brings him the plain bowl of ice cream, and she sets it on the table and kind of flings it towards him. And he smiles. He eats his ice cream. Uh, as he goes to the cashier to pay... Um, he pays, and as he leaves, the, he leaves the store, and Priscilla goes to clear off his ice cream bowl, and she notices right next to his bowl is four quarters and five dimes lined up in a big stack right next to his bowl of ice cream. And all of a sudden, Priscilla realized that he could have had the Sunday and paid for the Sunday, but he made a choice to give her a tip instead. 
which is awesome, right? And Priscilla was dumbfounded that the boy could have had the Sunday. And, and here's the deal. Priscilla forgot to cross the moat. It is so easy to judge people around us when we're in our comfort zone. When we don't enter into their world, into their story, into their situation. So it's so easy to, to be that judger, to think the worst, until we cross the moat. And do what Jesus did. Jesus crossed the great big moat from heaven to earth, right? He's willing to interact with us. And yet we get, the, we hunker down in this place of safety and security. You guys, I want you to know that we're naturally judgmental. We're naturally quick to find faults. We are not biologically, Paul would say in our flesh, we are not biologically neutral towards people across the moat. We are predisposed to be on guard and cautious of them. Our survival instinct is there. Like, they're dangerous until proven safe. And guess what we need to do as God's people? We need to rise above that inclination that only desires safety and security here. Rise above that inclination to stay, like, Stay in our place and actually step beyond our comfort zone. We need to rise above that inclination. Second thing, forgive and you will be forgiven. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. Jesus teaches us and the disciples to pray and they are instructed to pray like this. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. As Jesus hangs on the cross, we hear him pray, don't we? Almost unbelievable. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. If Christianity isn't about forgiveness, it's about nothing at all, guys. Um, so, Kate and I, when we lived in Atlanta, there was, um, there was a neighbor. Actually, this is in Baton Rouge. A neighbor in Baton Rouge, his name was D. Um, good family. Um, good people, as we, um, as I met him, it was, everything was great, like, just, I'm a cordial, friendly, great couple right next door to us. Well, um, just so happened that a hurricane came through and knocked down the fence between our yards, and I said, oh, this is nice, like, look, there is a nice big open place. And I didn't realize that other people don't think the same way as me. And I'm like, oh, look, we're just, we can be one big happy family. So one day I came home from work and I realized that Dee had one of his friends building a fence in, like eight feet into my yard. And I was thinking, oh, you can't build a fence on my property. That's, uh, um, our yard wasn't huge. So it was just like, it was, and I thought eight feet is just too much. Like if it was like an inch off or a couple feet, so be it. But like eight feet's a large part of our yard. And so I said, you can't build a fence there. Let's talk about this. Well, an hour later, I was talking to police officers in my backyard. And, and I mean, they were just like, they didn't know what to do because he had called the police on me. And I'm like, but it's my yard. Like, please don't build a fence in my yard. And I was trying to be kind, but at the same time, like, you can't build a fence. And so guess what? That relationship broke down. Okay? Now, a month later, I was, like, praying, and I was, Lord, I, I forgive thee and, and just let it go. And from that point forward, I was friendly. I was cordial. Like, I would see him driving by. I'd wave. He'd wave back. Um, or he, I mean, it's like halfway wave where you... You're kind of forced to. Well, a year later, I realized something. I realized that I hadn't crossed the moat towards him. I was still staying in my comfort zone. And I, um, so we had waved to each other, but we never had a meaningful conversation. The relationship was still kind of broken, and I realized that. And I had to make a step towards him. So I had already forgiven him. But I haven't, I didn't act out forgiveness. I actually hadn't stepped out of my comfort zone and had that awkward conversation and said, you know what? 
sorry about everything that happened there. No worries for me. And like, uh, are, are we okay? Like, I never had that conversation. And once I had that conversation, it, it went back to normal again. But it took me stepping out, acting, stepping into forgiveness, not just verbally saying it, but actually stepping out and sharing those words with you. Guys, when we cross the moat, forgiveness is easier. When we see the other person as a person created in God's image, it changes things, doesn't it? All of a sudden, we're able to extend forgiveness. We're, we don't judge. We don't condemn. Okay, next part. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured in your lap. For with the measure you use, the me it will be measured to you. Wouldn't it be the coolest thing if the key to a rich, happy, joy-filled life was not getting, 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 but giving? Wouldn't that be awesome? That's how it works in God's realm. That's how it works in God's economy. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. What if we could start living that way now? What if, guys? Richard Foster said this. When we give, we are releasing a little more of our egocentric selves and a little more of our false security. Giving frees us to care. It produces an air of expectancy as we anticipate what God will lead us to give. It makes life with God an adventure of discovery. We are being used to help make a difference in the world, and that is worth living for and giving for. What if Jesus' death and rising changed everything? What if he who has the most toys in the end wins doesn't apply to us anymore? What if? What if give and it will be given to you actually really does work? And I would just push us into that, like, how can we actually embody this? What can we do? And so the way that we'll, when we get to the practical tips, we're going to say, let's blow some money or kindness and give to one of our three. And so we'll talk about that at the end. But we all, you guys, we all need comfort zones. Okay, we all need it. But I want you to know that we can move in and out of our comfort zone. We can move in and out of that space. We can say, Jesus, we want to partner with your spirit in renewing and transforming this world. So we all need the comfort zones. We can move in and out of those comfort zones. So I've been pastoring about 20 years now. And um, for the last 20 years, I've had Mondays off because it's my day off. And um, I love my Mondays, but Mondays are kind of this weird day for me. I'm peopled out, and I'm in pastor off day mode, okay? So it's like that, that moment of like, okay, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to answer phones. I, I just, I'm, I'm like, I just like a day down. And so um, when we're living in Baton Rouge, we had this home on Antietam Avenue, that's the same place that D was my neighbor. And I was redoing our landscape out front of the house, and we were trying to make it look pretty uh, to put the house in the market. And so as I, I had made all my plans and what the front of the house should look like, and I, I mean, I, was, I went above and beyond, like it, I, laborsome, right? Like I had made all my plans. I did all my research. I had talked to people, like, what should we plant? What's going to grow? What's going to look awesome? And I made all my plans. I went to the, the nursery, the greenhouse, and I'm, so pastor mode, day off, done, and I'm, I'm buying my plants. I'm putting them on this big wagon, this cart that I'm hauling around the store, and this lady stops me, and she says, can I help you? And everything within me wanted to say, nope, I'm good. And then I had this little nudge. And I was thinking, huh, I, what if I listened to her pitch? What if I, I was thinking, what if I was her best com customer of the day? And so here I was, this is my, this, I was in my comfort zone. 
and I had to make a decision. Do I want to step beyond my comfort zone on my day off that I don't want to? Okay? And so then I made that decision. I said, okay, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to be her best customer of the day. And so I was there, and she said, what, what's your project? And I told her. I didn't tell her that I had all my plans already done, but I listened to her pitch, and I listened to what she said I should put on the north side of my house that was going to be in the shade. And so I listened to that whole thing, and she, direct, she hauled me around there, and I was pulling my cart with all these plants on it. And as she's talking, I'm switching plants out, okay, that I realized, oh, this actually might be better. And, and I'm going back and forth. And um, after about these 10 minutes were done, her, I realized, she told me in the process of those 10 minutes, her name was Kim. And we finished, and I, I got done with her, her pitch, and I said, thank you. You're like, I said, you're like my personal arborist. Thank you so much. And she beamed as like the biggest grin you could ever imagine. And she went on her, her way, and I went on my way, and I went and I planted all my plants in, my, in front of my house. But she was just genuine pleased. But here's the deal. I walked away not wanting to cross the moat, but I realized that my connection and what I said and did not only brought her joy, but I walked out of that store with this huge smile like, oh, I made somebody's day today just by listening. Just by hearing them out. Just by listening to their sales pitch. Guys, crossing the moat can be fun. It can be really fun. And the thing is, later that week, I went into that same nursery and as soon as I walked in the door, I went to the kind of the back side where they have this open area. It's open to sunlight. And I, Kim, I see Kim at a distance. He goes, hey, John. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Kim. <laughs> and I just realized the impact of one conversation, just willing to listen, just, just made her day and made my day. Was that evangelism? I don't know. It didn't feel like it. I just felt like I was viewing somebody across the moat. And all of a sudden, I chose to cross the moat and enter into a conversation. And we became part of each other's good day. It was awesome. So in crossing the moat, you got to take a leap, leap of faith. And you guys, there's built-in rewards as we're willing. Hidden rewards until we actually do it. Until we step beyond, take a step out of our comfort zone. There's relational riches. There's bringing joy to somebody. You feel alive in life. But the key when crossing the moat is don't judge, don't condemn, forgive, and give. What if we did that? We can, you guys, we can do that, can't we? We can do that. So N.T. Wright said this. There are two particularly astonishing things about these instructions, speaking of this text. First, their simplicity. They are obvious, clear, direct, memorable. And second is their scarcity. How many people do you know who actually live like this? That's what he said. And I was thinking, oh, you're right. Because we don't want to go beyond our comfort zone. We get stuck here. And as soon as we cross over the moat, God will do awesome things. Awesome things. You guys, we are never more like God than we give, than when we love, than when we step beyond our comfort zone, than when we cross the moat. Here's my last story. In 1921, Louis Laws became the warden of Sing Sing Prison. And at the time when he took it over, it was an awful place. It was a terrible prison. 20 years later, it had become a humanitarian institution. And the credit for the change was given to Lewis, the warden. And he said, I'm going to quote him, he said, I owe it all to my wonderful wife, Catherine. So Catherine Laws was a mother of, of three kids when, uh, when Lewis took over this prison as the warden. Um, and she was told, never set foot in this prison. It's an awful place. 
It's not safe for you nor the kids. And she wouldn't have it because guess what she's decided? She said, I'm going to cross the moat. And so as soon as her husband became warden, the very first basketball game that the inmates were playing, she came barging in that auditorium, that, that hall, holding her three kids' hands. She walked right down the middle of the basketball court with her three kids, smiling, and all the inmates are staring at her saying, what in the world is this? And she went into the stands and sat right in the middle of all the inmates with her three little kids. And so she felt like God had called her to care for these men and that she didn't have to worry. Uh, she discovered one convicted murderer was blind and she taught him how to read in Braille. She found a deaf mute in prison and she actually went to school to learn how to do sign language so that she could teach him. Many people said from 1921 to 1937, Jesus was alive in person in Sing Sing. So one night, October 1937, word reached the prison that Catherine had passed away. And um, in, she was killed in a car accident. And they were holding a memorial service at their house that was three quarters of, of a mile from the prison walls. And a large crowd of hardened criminals, like a herd of animals, gathered at the main gate. Tears of grief and sadness over Catherine's death. They loved Catherine. And they were changed because Catherine was willing to cross the moat. And these men wanted to attend the funeral. The acting warden finally said this, all right, men, you can go. Just make sure that you check back in tonight. And they let the whole crowd go without one prison guard. They let them all walk there together to pay their respects to a woman that had changed their lives. They all walked there together. They paid their respects, and they all checked back in that evening, every single one, out of respect, because one woman was willing to step out of her comfort zone and step across that moat and minister. Catherine believed God had called her to cross that moat. And God is calling me and you to reach this world. And the only way is for us to step beyond our comfort zone, to step out. And so as we continue this series called Leap of Faith, I want you to figure out what does that mean for me to cross the moat in my life and start stepping out beyond my comfort zone. So let's give you a couple practical tips today. Number one. As we cross the moat, let's be quick to follow Jesus' command. Do not judge and do not condemn. Offer kindness, grace, love, generosity, prayer. You guys, it's so easy to judge somebody and to even put our a certain ethical standards upon the world. And so what, what do we do? We're just like the lady that's serving the kid some ice cream. We just... We instantly judge instead of like stepping back and following Jesus and saying, let's, let's just be a judge-free zone. No judgment, no condemnation coming from us as we cross over that moat towards our neighbors. Number two, as you're praying for your three, there are unseen spiritual realities in the world. Prayer changes things. As you pray for your three who may not be experiencing much of God, um, they will start experiencing good things from God. From God. There's spiritual realities at work that are unseen. And as we pray, God will start to use your prayers so that good spiritual realities are unfolded to, to your three. So start praying for your three. Um, what do we pray for the three? Here's um, a couple options. Pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. John 6, they're 
Pray that their minds would be open to Jesus, 2 Corinthians 4. Pray that the followers of Jesus would cross their paths and that they would enter into positive community and relationship and, and, uh, in their lives. That's Matthew 9.38. So start praying for your threes. Start praying for your threes like your prayers can actually change things because they do. They open up a window for them to experience God. And number three, Jesus said give. Let's identify, pray, and blow some money on one of your threes. So what if we just take a moment right now and ask God how you could give in a generous and loving way. Maybe it's your time or maybe it's your money. But here's some ideas. It could be a homemade loaf of bread, some cookies that you make. If you don't bake, just warm one up in your oven. Right, right? Um, or maybe, maybe you just want to buy something interesting. Maybe you know of one of their interests on Amazon. You just buy them something unique. Um, it could be creating time in your schedule to be present in your life. You will know what to do when you ask the Holy Spirit for creation. So I want you guys to have fun with this. And my last thought is, like a co-worker that you've never had a conversation before and then you buy them like a $200 gift they're going to think what in the world is going on here and then I'm going to get a call and <laughs> they're going to say what's going on okay so I don't so what what comes naturally to you um, how could you blow some money on them that, that seems authentic and real and not I think that the Holy Spirit will guide you in that. And guess what? As you maybe bring that plate of cookies over, or maybe you get some subscriptions over here for things, or whatever you do, as you step beyond your comfort zone, God will use that in your life. Give, and it will be given. Like, embrace that. Just go for it. Just see what God will do, and expect God just to break in.
last song, if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Um, the first couple things I wrote down um, before our prayer meeting this morning, uh, I feel like there might be one or two people that are just, uh, they're stubborn. And, and, and the boat, the boat doesn't look appetizing to cross at all because this is just so comfortable. It's just, it's just so friendly. It's so appealing. And there's nothing within you that says, I want to cross the boat. Okay? And if that's you, you're a little stubborn, I encourage you to get some prayer because God has a mission for you. So um, get the prayer for that. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, John, I want to cross over the boat and I want to give, but financial ruins today. If you're in financial ruins, I, I, would, I would 